The Alexandria Times will launch its first ever City Creatives Arts section next week on April 7th. The section will shine a light on the creative spirit that makes up Alexandria's arts community, from acapella groups to dance to art shows. Stay tuned, you won't want to miss it. Easy, the Alexandria Times podcast. Uh, my name is Olivia Anderson, and I am a reporter here at the Times. Um, and today, in this discussion, we're joined by Marianne Brunken, who is the executive director of Volunteer Alexandria, uh, which is the city's community resource for all things volunteerism, um, and somewhere she's been since 2012. So she's got a wealth of information, and we are extremely excited to have her. All right, Marion, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. We're so excited to have you. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm good. All right. So to get started, I guess, you know, maybe you could start by telling me um, about Volunteer Alexandria as an organization. Um, I know you've been there since 2012, so maybe um, you could start with your role specifically. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, Volunteer Alexandria, uh, we call it now Vol Alex sometimes as well. Um, it will be 42 years old this year, yay, in October. And we mobilize, connect, and expire, inspire people to volunteer. And we do that on a daily basis. But in order to better serve some of our target groups, like, you know, families, businesses, people that are 55 and older, um, people have issues related to court, we also offer specific programs that focus just on that. Um, we are like a facilitator, or you would call a conduit, like a broker, you know, between two groups uh, who are in need for nonprofits who need volunteers to fulfill their mission. Um, and then also through engagement of skilled and unskilled people, uh, we, we build capacity really for those nonprofits. Anything that has to do with volunteer management, uh, we also do training for their staff. Yeah, so that's kind of um, who we are, and my role is I've been hired as, as you said, since 2012, I was hired as an executive director um, to manage really the organization, staff, raise funds, and to make really Volunteer Alexander a financial, healthy, and sustainable organization, and I think we have uh, achieved that, kind of, yeah, so... Um, and, you know, it's funny because as an ED, you really have a small organization. You have, like, many different hats. You know, you're like, suddenly I'm an HR person, finance and programming, oversight. And it's quite an interesting journey, truth be told. So, But I've enjoyed it, or yeah. I am enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> what's it. What's it like wearing all those different hats and kind of juggling between all of them? You know, it's interesting. It's definitely challenging in the beginning uh, because, you know, I'm a social worker by trade, so I had to learn a lot. And thanks to many great mentors um, that helped me, it's uh, it's still really fun because my personality is a little bit um, like I need challenges. And uh, this job definitely brings that because you have many hats. So, And I still learn every day, So, but it's fun. I like I like the diversity, really. Sure. And all these tasks. Um, so you've been in the DMV for many years, um, but you're originally from Germany. So I would love to hear a little bit about what brought you to the States uh, at the beginning. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, wow, many years. <laughs> uh, I've been in this country almost as long as I've lived in Germany. So, wow, that's 
that's interesting because I always thought like, oh, yeah, after three to five years, I would go back, you know, not alone necessarily, but that's what I thought. So, and I thought, wow, it's cool to say I've been, you know, I lived in the U.S. for 10 years, but now it's really quarter century and here I am. Um, so the reason was really I fell in love with an American and therefore applied for a green card through a lottery system. And so while I was staying really in D.C. for five months, you know, exploring the ways, like, can I really live here? You know, I grew up on a farm and uh, my partner lived in D.C. really like in the middle of it. And I received a letter saying, congratulations. It was quite something. So they, they drew me and I still had to go through the process, you know, uh, do like the interviews and show that I have a sponsor. They really wanted to know that I'm not sick and that I um, not broke. So, um, but it was nothing compared to those who really didn't have the invitation. Anyways, I think it was destiny. And here we are 25 years later. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you've spent a lot of time in Germany and, and almost as much, if not more time here in the States. So I'm curious, um, just as an aside, like some of those big differences that you've noticed, um, as well as some similarities between Germany and the U.S., well, that's a good question, <laughs> Olivia. Um, I didn't know really, you know, until you lived in a different country with cultures, I knew really like how much I was German without knowing it before, you know, obviously you know sure. I'm German, but um, like how ingrained certain things are, you know, and uh, people reflected on it. Oh, wow, you're so direct. It's like, yeah, why is there another way? You know, so yeah, there is. <laughs> um so, I mean, similarities are really working with uh, with people that care. Um, you know, in Germany, people care too, but volunteerism wasn't really um, a big thing. We just help out because that's how it is. And I learned here in the U.S., you kind of put it on your resume. So that was something new for me to learn, that there's actually a whole industry around uh, supporting nonprofits, mm. you know. So, I mean, it has changed a little bit now too, but... You know, it was a culture shock uh, for me coming here without knowing it because, you know, obviously Germany is pretty um, advanced, you know, and um, there's pros and cons to each country as well. But I think that um, how ingrained certain things are, you know, moral standards and, and values, that's a little bit different here. You know, I was, uh, I remember the first time I brought my basket into the shopper's uh, warehouse and everybody was like what are you doing it's like what do you mean what I'm doing I'm bringing my basket to go shopping right because we don't use plastic bags really in stores anymore and uh, then I saw that people put 10 items in seven bags I'm like oh my god you know things like that and here we are 25 years later and yay Virginia you know you have to pay for your plastic bags now <laughs> right right and last thing sorry but didn't you say there's kind of a, a directness in Germany oh. that there isn't here too. I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> oh, totally. And uh, people saw it first. I was like, you know, uh, I mean, I've got it all. I heard it all rude, aggressive, you know, instead of assertive or being a positive thing. It's like, wow, you can't just tell me sort of thing. You know, it's like, well, I don't know any other way. <laughs> now I do. I'm more diplomatic, obviously. Um, but yeah, we don't, uh, we just say it as it is. You know, and sometimes it's really for the good or for the bad, because I think you can really um, find the balance, you know. Right. I mean, 
you, you ask people, for example, hey, how did you like my gift? In Germany, they would tell you, oh, yeah, I really didn't like it, you know, but thank you. And we're not offended. <laughs> That's the funny part. And here, I will never say that. You yeah. find the positive more, which is a good thing, really. And some, yeah, sometimes and sometimes maybe not, but. <laughs> Correct. Um, this is uh, more about, you know, volunteer Alexandria. So I want to ask you yeah. how you got involved in volunteerism in general. Um, was it something you fell into or something that you've always known you kind of wanted to, to do? I fell into it because, um, again, I'm a social worker by trade, but volunteerism wasn't a big deal. But I learned here it is a big deal. So I decided, OK, well, if I go and volunteer, maybe I can get my foot in the door. And my God, I remember uh, my first volunteer job was with Rachel Women's Center. Love the agency. And I was preparing uh, breakfast. That's how I learned that um, there's something called grits. And you can put bacon in it, or you could put sugar in it, or even cheese. And I had my opinion about it, but uh, that was really interesting. And um, little did I know that with my language skills, they weren't really sufficient enough to help anyone. And uh, and I didn't know I had to get a license in D.C. or Virginia, wherever I wanted to work as a social worker. So I gave it all up and... I actually started over in the U.S. I interned with a volunteer center in D.C. Um, so that's how I learned more about volunteerism and, and amazingly how many people took the time to just help somebody else. I mean, that was really like, wow, to see that. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, and, oh, go ahead. Uh, and, you know, I stayed with that pretty much for, the, uh, for all of my career here in the U.S. You know, it started from doing data entry of people that had volunteered to uh, organizing projects for volunteers, businesses, individuals, and then, you know, recruiting, training pro uh, volunteers. It was really fun, um, no matter if it was like a nonprofit or corporation. And uh, yet my, now my job, same thing. It's engaging people in service. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, as you as you mentioned, obviously you worked in the nonprofit sector and also the corporate setting. Um, I know you've worked for presidents, you know, Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? What that experience was like working with the former presidents? So, I was just fortunate that uh, through my job, previous jobs, that I had the pleasure of meeting them both because. Um, presidents are interested in volunteering through like MLK Day, you know. Uh, President Carter, uh, founder of Habitat for Humanity, the housing. So in both positions, I was responsible for creating projects for the public. And um, Bill Clinton, the White House, chose my project to do for MLK Day. And that was 1998. Wow. Barely spoke the language. And my previous boss said, well, Marianne, you created the project, so you're going to be the supervisor. And I'm like, okay. So I told uh, President Clinton which ladder, step ladder to use and which not. It was funny. So, and with Freddie Mac, you know, the Habitat built. So that was really cool too. Um, we had enough funding that we supported those builds, and uh, he chose to go to D.C. in one of those builds. So that was really neat to see. But, you know, even with uh, small volunteer Alexandria, we created a project years ago. Um, when was it, 2016-17, with the Boys and Girls Club in Alexandria, 
And um, Ivanka Trump decided to come up with her kids to our project and volunteered. So, you know, that shows you even small, small volunteer Alexander can um, invite the White House folks. So it's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. How does the nonprofit sector compare with the corporate setting? So I think the uh, similarities are working really with people who want to donate their time and skills. You know, volunteers are just generous, kind people. Well, let me say 99% of them. But no matter if you work for a nonprofit or corporation, you know, that was really neat to see. Biggest difference really is funding. You know, when I worked for the large corporation, we just had the funds available and I could do whatever I wanted to do. I mean, sort of, but, you know, we had enough sufficient money to send 100 people for a week to New Orleans. And truth be told, that's probably my entire current budget, you know. So that is really the biggest difference, the the funding. Um, Now we have to raise every single dollar and we are dependent on all the, you know, individuals who donate, businesses, foundations, you know, so um, that's I think that and the accountability for it as well. You know, we really have to count for every dollar, show the impact and outcome in order to receive like additional funds, you know, for another year. So I would say that's probably the, the biggest difference. Mm. And is that also one of the like obstacles that come with your job or what would you define as some of the larger obstacles that you have to face? Yeah, funding for sure. I mean, one of the benefits is, uh, especially in my role, um, the board is there to guide, you know, but uh, I can really, um, I can steer our ship in a direction that I think makes sense, you know, according to community needs and nonprofit needs. And I have less bureaucracy, you know, that definitely I didn't have that with the corporation. But um, biggest obstacles for us, and I'm sure it's not just um, volunteer Alexander's issues, is really um, making sure that funds are available to run all the programs and services. Fundraising is hard these days. <laughs> you know, Alexander is so small, we all compete for the same dollars, you know, and especially as a volunteer center. So I said, we're like a broker. Um, we don't really feed the hungry or provide a roof over someone's head, but we help others to do so. And um, that is very important, you know, but it's challenging to really find funders who, A, support volunteerism and to fund operating expenses, really, because we don't buy food, you know. So, um, but I would say it's equally important because we don't have one nonprofit that doesn't need volunteers to fulfill their mission, skilled or unskilled, you know. And I think another, I have two more challenges, I would say is human resources. You know, again, I'm sure I'm not alone out there hiring qualified staff and paying them close to market rate and then also retaining them. You know, we have seen turnover, different requirements due to COVID. Um, So that's definitely an ongoing challenge. Um, And then the last one, I would say board recruitment and retention. You know, um, nonprofits, as you know, we have boards and we should all have term limits, which could be two years or, you know, three years. So every year we have openings and we have to fill those seats in order to make sure that the ship, I always say ship, I like it, that the ship steers in the Good right word. direction. Yeah. 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 Um, so you were kind of talking about how there's obviously 
an abundance of, of different um, organizations that could use volunteer support. So I, I'm curious about some of the, you know, the range of organizations that Volunteer Alexandria works with and then um, its role in customizing projects and how that works. So we are a um, global network affiliate. That means we are members of the Point of Light Foundation, and which means really that any nonprofit 501c3 or 6 can really utilize our system at no cost. That means they can post volunteer needs. So we don't control which nonprofits register. Um, obviously, we, we review all of the applications to make sure they are a nonprofit. If they're a business, then we will say thank you, but uh, you cannot apply to utilize our services. Not um, Yes. So, but we really are here to serve any nonprofit, especially in the Alexandria area. We focus on Alexandria. You know, we have great partners in other counties and um, like Fairfax and Arlington and Loudoun. So it's really, we are focused on Alexandria. So any nonprofit. And our goal is really to engage people in service, no matter if it's through us or if it's, you know, through the website, through other nonprofits and they or the city also promotes volunteerism, which is wonderful. So we have a program that's tailored towards companies. It's called, or association that's called Business Connections. And what we do is there, we pick our kind of partners in, um, in order to match the company's objectives and goals. And that's really all it boils down to is, do they have a volunteer coordinator on staff that, uh, knows what they're doing, but also do they have, are they able to accommodate the number of people um, that the group brings and other meaningful, impactful activities? So because not every nonprofit is able to accommodate larger groups. And in this case, I mean 20 people. That's from any nonprofit or large group. And we also like to diversify our projects, uh, meaning there are some really great nonprofits that people know of. And there's many more that uh, a lot of people don't know of. So we like to also um, ask them, hey, would you like to take advantage of a group, uh, you know, that are interested in, in then giving back? The City Creative Arts section will highlight the creative spirit that makes Alexandria a burgeoning artistic hub. From concerts and dance to art shows and everything in between, City Creatives will cover the best and brightest, latest and greatest in Alexandria's art scene. Keep an eye out for the City Creative section when it launches next week, April 7th. Can we talk about some of the specific examples of the ranges of organizations and some... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, sure. Uh, should have added that. So we have nonprofits that are like advocacy or um, from food and addressing food insecurity, you know, our great food bank, we have homeless shelters, mm. we have housing related, a lot of tutoring agencies. We also um, offer city agencies to utilize the system as well, um, like the foster care programs, um, parks and rec. So it's really a variety of different activities you can find. Just out of curiosity, is there like one area or type that people are generally more interested in like helping out than, than other ones? Yeah, everybody loves, uh, I would say animal is number one <laughs> and <laughs> children. 
So animals, they are actually, our animal shelter is so well known. They don't need to utilize our system. Mm. No, they could because for board members or development members, you know, but not for the regular volunteers. So because everybody knows the the shelters in Alexander where it is. So which is wonderful. Um, Children is more tricky because often that takes a longer, long-term commitment. You know, if you want to read to a child, tutor, or mentor, we ask, that, or the nonprofit asks often that is at least a six-month commitment, which completely makes sense if you work with people, you know. So I think those are really two areas that are well-known and uh, lesser, more difficult, I think, is really long-term opportunities. Or when we ask people to... Um, serve on boards, committees, things like that. Yeah, because it, it's more of a commitment, maybe? It's more of a commitment. You know, That's it's it's all different. There's different age groups that are interested in volunteering for certain roles. You know, um, a lot of people just wanted to help out for two hours, and that's it. And again, it comes down to commitment. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And on like a Saturday or something rather than like... Yeah, um, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, there's been a lot more people and organizations, um, in need of support as well as, you know, with the influx of Afghan refugees coming to the area last year, um, after the Taliban takeover. So, Mm -hmm. you know, feel free to touch on either of those or both, but in general, what would you say is volunteer Alexandria's role, um, in the event of an emergency? Oh, that's a good question, too. Um, so we actually um, work with the city's Office of Emergency Management. Um, they outsource managing people interested in volunteering for a disaster to us. What it means is, you know, people want to help. And instead of waiting for them to just show up on site, which creates often another disaster, we provide really the vehicle for those people to volunteer uh, for the city, and it's called a volunteer reception center. So uh, we also provide training um, to the public and just raising awareness about how to be prepared. So the city has a need. They will say, volunteer Alexandria, uh, here's what we need. And depending on the need, we will activate the volunteer reception center or just fulfill the need and mobilize people like we did with COVID. Um yeah, it was a little different disaster, you know, the pandemic. But again, it's the same concept. We are really good at mobilizing and inspiring people and showing them where the need is and how they can help. And that's how people then sign up or get engaged. For the Afghan refugees, or now it was a Ukraine um, situation, there's different ways. So we promote what's going on in the community. For example, the businesses have done a wonderful job in raising funds that they will then send to those who are on the ground. That's a really wonderful way. Um, We also see partners. uh, We have state and regional partners that work on emergencies. And the best way to assist them was really for the Afghan refugees was to promote those agencies who are working with the refugees. Um, And that's how we posted it. So instead of um, using our software and make the nonprofits, you know, enter their needs in our system and they do that in Fairfax and Arlington, we just said, okay, they don't have the capacity for that. We basically promoted directly their agencies. If you want to volunteer or donate, here's where you can go. 
that's an easy and fast way to do it. Mm. Got it. Yeah, because normally we really want to uh, offer those opportunities in the system, but sometimes we realize that you know nonprofits that are not familiar with our system, it's faster to get them the people that they need to just by promoting exactly their nonprofit. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I also wanted to ask, you know, if you had any particularly, you know, moving memories or anecdotes during your time um, over the years at Volunteer Alexandria that have stuck out. Oh, well, I think my first one was really, uh, I never will forget this one before I was hired. Um, Lyle's car um, said to me, well, Marion, the longer you wait to accept this job, the less time you have to plan for a volunteer recognition event. And he was right, you know, so I accepted and had like six weeks to pull it off. But it was just funny that he said it because he was sure you're going to take it, you know, don't play around. And, you know, now you have to uh, implement an event. But um, what got me and still does is when I see strangers helping strangers, you know, and I don't have a particular story, but it's really when children tell you why they're helping and, you know, or when a 90 year old tells you now she has a reason again to get up because we found an ex, you know, we found an opportunity for her. So those are the experiences really that keep me going. It's the kindness of people and how it impacts them, you know, when they help others. Right. Right. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask about that because I imagine, you know, there's, an inherent like heaviness that comes with it because you know you're oh, yeah. there, there's so much <laughs> help yes. that's needed in the city but it sounds like it's kind of balanced out with getting to like see directly how people are willing to do that yeah yeah we had uh, one situation when we had the meal distribution you know uh, during COVID times in 2020 and somewhat 21 last year we had actually clients coming up saying, you know, those who, who just picked up a meal, can I help? And that just shows you the, how people are, you know, just because they're in line doesn't mean they don't want to help others as well. But that is just so um, humbling, I guess is the word, you know, so it's really nice generosity of people. Oh, wait, could you say that part one more time? It kind of cut out. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You're see, all good. You know, it's just so amazing to see the variety of people that want to help out. It doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter what uh, what color you are, have, or how much money you have in your pocket. It's just you know the kindness of people that they just want to help out. I think that's really um, amazing. That's yeah. that's one of the best thing in my job. I have to say. Yeah. Do people ever provide like specific reasons? as to what brought them there? You know, yes. Besides those who need to do it for school or for court, you know, it's sometimes <laughs> right. it's, uh, right. Uh, the stories that we hear is, you, you hear more stories during difficult situations like COVID, you know, um, where you hear, I just want to help out and that's what I can do. Even when I'm in line to pick up meals or when uh, we build housing, and somebody comes up and says, you know, I want to help because I've been here or I've, I have received services before and I'm grateful that I now have a job and I have time to give back, you know, and, and those are 
I think those are always like, wow, make me cry, truth be told. So, I mean, people have different reasons, you know, too much, you have time on your hand, you have skills, you know, you feel good when you give back. I mean, I like giving back if I have really the time, you know, the energy, it just makes me feel good. And that is very selfish and, uh, but it's okay. Okay. Yeah. So as we mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, you've been there since 2012, which is a while. So I'd love to know some of the things that you've noticed, you know, what's it been like watching the organization change and evolve over the past nine years? And what are some of the things that you've learned? Well, it has been a journey. I can definitely say that. And uh, for me personally, it was really a great journey. Um, I always wanted to be an executive director, but I really didn't know really if I could, if I had it in me and, and also, but Volunteer Alexander went from almost closing its doors to an organization that is really vital to the community. And we have shown it in the past two years, you know, we can be on the forefront when needed, but when things are normal, I should say that in quotation marks, you know, we are running more in the background serving people and agencies. Um, and it's nice to see that the ship is going where it needs to go. And one thing that I learned is that relationships are so important. New one, old ones, you know, you really have to uh, be honest, transparent and retaining them. It's, it's just so important. It, it makes us feel great, too, to see people that have been with us for decades you know, um, I think what I've learned is also to say no, because we just can't do everything and we don't need to. But that's a hard part. You know, we always think of like, OK, how can we help them? And sometimes you just have to say no. Um, I'm sure, you know, Olivia, uh, Alexandra is so generous. It's just a kind, generous community. And um, I really learned over the past almost 10 years that we are really better when we are when we come together, sure. you know, yeah, better together. <laughs> I, I also, I mean, I imagine, you know, over the past 10 years, technology has really increased. And so I'm assuming, you know, the nature of volunteering has changed a little bit too. What has that been like watching change? over? Right. Yes. Um, and that's still interesting because I think uh, you might remember now on, on, in the beginning, we are also IT people in some ways, you know, we, um, we have to really, keep up with technology, otherwise we are left behind. So that really has changed. We don't send out a paper newsletter anymore. Uh, it's all electronic. You know, uh, there's a huge generation um, that just does it over their phone, signing up to volunteer. And even my generation and some of the baby boomers even, you know, we all have adapted to it. Um, yeah. Social media, it has... Gong. I mean, that's just amazing what social media does. You post something and people are there to donate, to volunteer. It works. Social media works. So that has changed. We actually had to hire somebody for social media. You know, we have policies, procedures in place for it. Um, it's another thing that we have to do, truth be told. But it's um, it's definitely changed the world of engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like it's helped it, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you came in 2012 and volunteer Alexandria was semi-close to closing its doors, but um, there was a lot of work done to increase the visibility 
in the city. Can you talk about that and what, and what that was like? Um, so again, I think I was pretty green behind my ears, not knowing exactly what I was uh, getting into. I did my homework and, um, you know, so, but I think I really like challenges and that's why I took it on. And having a group behind me, supporting me, that's how we turn it around. Um, I didn't think much about it because otherwise I probably would have run. Um, but uh, people were curious, okay, what's going to happen here with Volunteer Alexandria? So there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure. And I just did what I thought was the right thing. You know, I, I like people. Um, and I think that the relationships that I built helped. I mean, I lived in Delray, so I already had some relationships. People knew me. And it was um, it was challenging, but it was also fun to do, you know, and, and creating an event that's a volunteer recognition. I mean, how it can't get better because it's just warm and fuzzy. And who doesn't like it? So it was just, yeah, it was fun besides challenging. Yeah. What do you, what do you think it was um, that caused it to get so close to closing its doors all those years ago? So the housing market, you know, when it crashed 2007, eight, and it all went down. And I think that not being in direct service, you know, not maybe keeping up with technology, you know, staff resources. I think all of those aspects played a role that, you know, we didn't deliver what we were supposed to deliver. And um, again, you really have to be, um, you have to take risks and you have to spend money in order to to make more money, but also uh, to be um, relevant, you know? So you can't do things half halfway, then it's better not to do them. So I think it's really combined with the housing market going downhill. You know, I mean, Greater DC Cares shut their doors uh, in 2013, pretty much unannounced. And um, and they were the largest one in the region. So it can happen to the best of us, you know. But again, we really had uh, the community behind us. And um, I think my organizational skills that I bring, some of it is German and me, I can't deny it, <laughs> I think helped as well to, uh, you know, put up events that were effective and efficient. Yeah, no, definitely. And you're right. I mean, Alexandria does have a very like generous, willing community ready to like jump up and help, it seems. So, yeah. And I mean, that that was one of the reasons because people were were still giving, Mm -hmm. you know, and they, the city needs a volunteer center. Um, You know, we just needed to increase, we just need to be more efficient and effective, you know. And so we actually started out doing an assessment of Volunteer Alexandra and met with stakeholders and tell me what you think. You know, we we did a listen and learn session 10 years ago, you know, to really see what they thought about where we need to go and uh, where we shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. So that was really helpful yeah. um, doing that, you know, and that helped us to be where we are today. Yeah, definitely. So what's in, what's in store for the future then? <laughs> Where do you guys want to go from here? Well, we want to be, uh, you know, going from good to great. Um, so we have a couple goals that really want to look at technology, you know, to, to offer more. We are 
very close to launching our Skills Connect, which is a wonderful vehicle for nonprofits to post short-term activities like, hey, I need to create a communications plan and utilizing people in the community that have that skill. And so that's a really nice, uh, I think that will, that will help us, you know, help us meeting the community. Um, we definitely want to make sure that we reach out to all in the community. Volunteerism is pretty white. And we want to make sure that we engage the uh, black and brown community more. And um, yeah, just be ready and, you know, knowing what the community needs on both sides. Absolutely. Um, so if someone is either new to town and wants to get involved or somebody who maybe uh, lives in the city but hasn't been as involved as they would like, how do they go about doing that? There's several ways. Um, it's amazing because we have about 150 on an average every month that create an account and with us. Wait, so that means or, or Yes. Yes, volunteer, people that are interested in volunteering, um, and what they do is they probably go into Google and say, tell me volunteering in Alexandria. And if you put that in Google, we pop up number one. And then they see, oh, okay, check, let's check it out. And so they create an account because they're interested and ready to volunteer. So that's one way to do it, right? You just go into the internet. If um, you could definitely type on the internet, a passion, um, let's say seniors, and see what comes up. I'm sure Senior Services of Alexandria comes up, um, but there's also the City of Alexandria. I think it's the answer is uh, the internet. Go to the internet or ask people in the community. You know, if uh, if you know what you want to do, I want to work with the homeless population. You know, we have several shelters that address that issue. Um, you definitely can go to DCHS as well, Department of Community and Human Services. But I believe a really good way is to uh, go to volunteeralexandra.org uh, because if you find us, you really find all of the nonprofits that have posted with us and you might find something that uh, is really enticing to you and you know um, addresses one of the, your skills. Yeah, there's so many opportunities. There are a lot of different opportunities, yes. <laughs> um, awesome. And then, okay. And then lastly, um, we finish off every episode with, um, the current guest answering a question that the previous guest posed. Um, so in this case, genealogist Char McCargo Ba posed the question, if you were able to go back in time, which decade would you select? <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> which decade? My God, you make us old. Um, no. I think I would go back to my 30s. Yeah. Yes. I think I would do that because, uh, and I, so I was already in the States and I wish I would have taken more risks and adventures, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I also, I love the way that you took the question because I feel like it could go, you know, you could either choose from your own life or back in time somewhere that you were not alive for <laughs> it's funny because you know when you said it's like huh should i say the 20th you know you're right, so, right. because i really like their style <laughs> but yeah. uh, then it's like oh maybe maybe they really mean uh my and my career so <laughs> um i love that okay and then what guest or what question would you have for the next guest um 
how would you change your community if money is not an issue? Mm. Basically, you know, what would you do? Yeah. What would you like to see? Can I ask what your answer would be? Mine? Yeah. Um, in Alexandria, I'm an Arlingtonian, so um, in Alexandria, I would like to see everyone being fed and not staying standing in line for it to pick up groceries, meaning that we really address this issue from the root. Yeah. Or fixing it. Yeah. Besides, I would, you know, I don't think we need homeless people either. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of vacant buildings, and I think I would convert them all put them to and, put, and put housing, housing first. Marian, it's been so awesome talking to you. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on Speakeasy. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. I enjoyed the experience.